Hi, I'm Diane Chandler. And I'm Perry Jones Grossman. And this is Own Your Throne. Through the show, you will meet inspiring women who have recreated and redefined what it really means to thrive and age gracefully. Our guests are some of the most inspiring women on the planet. We were honored to sit down with each of them and get real about their journeys and what it took for them to truly own their throne. everyone. Welcome to Own Your Throne. I'm Diane Chandler, along with my friend and sidekick, Perry Jones Grossman. Today, our guest is relationship expert, Lynn Sheridan. Lynn is a marriage and family therapist, as well as a transformational leadership trainer, who has worked with over 25,000 people worldwide, as well as major corporations, to help them achieve their dreams. Perry and I have both had the honor of working with Lynn, and she is the real deal. Her ability to deeply see people and get right to the heart of the issue is an amazing and life-changing experience. She is a true queen of intimacy and transformation. We are so excited to welcome Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Ah, thank you. That's so beautiful. <laughs> what an honor. really hard on it. No? <laughs> Absolutely love beautiful. You, and thank you. I'm so honored to be with you, both of you. Well, you were one of the very first people who popped into our minds when we were thinking about everything going on in the world right now, people being in such close quarters, um, dealing with a lot of relationship stress with partnerships, children, just a lot of togetherness. And people are going through so much fear and uncertainty. And so we thought, who better to have you come on the show and just give your perspective on what's going on and some tools and techniques that we can use to maybe ease into this a little bit easier. I think we're just at the beginning and we've got a long haul in, in front of us. So, yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is going to be a long haul. And I am passionate about supporting people during this time period. I have been reading articles saying that domestic violence is on the increase. And um, when people are put in close quarters, uh, all of our least highest operating system comes into play. So we all revert when we're under stress to our lowest level of operation. And so that means addiction is also going to be on the rise, that we have people that don't know how to cope with the stress and so that they're drinking a lot more. And that, of course, exacerbates arguments, domestic violence, all of this. And then there are people that go towards each other in times of crisis. And I'm imagining in about nine months, 10 months, we'll also have a baby boom going on. <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> it's both ends of the spectrum are going on right now. Yeah. Right. That's right. Well, yeah. I was curious about, you know, you have such great credentials, but I was reading your story about how you got into the work of being a relationship expert and really trying to help heal couples. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this? Oh, that's, such a, that's such a big question. I, uh, my whole life, I've been drawn towards relationships. And even when I was single, I've been doing transformation for 27 years. And even when I was single, I was known kind of as a matchmaker, that people would come to me and I would somehow just get people we're supposed to be together. And I have numerous successful marriages under my belt, even before I was married. And then I, I had been doing transformation for about six years, and uh, I heard some graduates of the work talking that 
transformational trainers couldn't have successful relationships because they saw a lot of people with not so great relationships or people who were not married who were doing transformational work. And so I thought, oh God, I don't want to limit people. And so I got a coach because I take my own coaching. I absolutely work with coaches and always bettering myself. And the coach said, uh, well, when's the last time you were dating people? Uh, (laughs) About six years ago, about six years, because I really didn't feel the need to date people. And so I uh, was so happy doing what I did and being with people. And so he said, well, you've got to let down your force field. You've got a force field up that is keeping people out. And so I said, okay, I'll do it, but I don't want to go on any of the dates. I got coaching. He said, you're going to need to take down your force field. That is not having people in. And so I said, I don't want to go on these dates. He said, you don't have to, but just at least get asked on dates. So I took down my force field and I uh, was asked on dates like crazy for about a month. Every time I was in airports, grocery stores, everybody. And I went back again. I said, okay, the force field's down, but now I don't want to date any of these people. In fact, I don't want to date at all. I want to find the love of my life. I want to know them immediately. I don't want to have to date. I want to get married almost immediately. And he said, okay, let's make a list of the person. So I made a list. And originally, I did not have growth oriented on my list. And he pointed out that if someone's going to be with me, they need to want to grow themselves. And so I added growth oriented. And the next month, my husband was in the training. It was the month after September 11, 2001. He was supposed to be dead. He was supposed to be in the Mm. uh, Millennial Towers in the standing reservation. He had a meeting with P. Diddy. And P. Diddy partied too hard the night before. He was supposed to be on the plane that went into Pennsylvania fields. And so my husband on the way to Los Angeles Airport got a message saying, don't come. P. Diddy's in the meetings. He woke up to 167 messages, including his ex-wife saying, I love you. She just completed her trainings in transformation. She said, I love you. You Mm -hmm. absolutely have to be in the training next month. And he was in the front row. And the moment I looked at him, I knew it was him. And uh, our first date was with my whole family. And he told them we were getting married. Oh, my God. Gosh! Wow! <laughs> I, That's how I got into this. Well, I have to ask you just a quick thing because you said I let go of my force field. So, yeah. people listening, what does that mean exactly? So, there's a lot of us as women that we protect ourselves. We have fear of getting out there and dating, and I understand putting up the force field. But how do you remove the force field? Well, I think uh, it had to be a conscious of I am the chooser. I can choose to say yes or no to the date. It um, Also, I think for a period of time, if people asked me out just based on my looks, I would get so offended. I, it was like they were not seeing the authentic me. They were just mm-hmm. going off the looks. And so I would automatically say no with an attitude instead of whatever somebody finds attractive about somebody, it's a way in. And right. so not taking offense with that. And reminding myself I had a choice to say yes or no to whoever it was. And then getting very intentional about it's time for me to meet my person I'm meant to be with. And I am willing to be in the storm. I'm willing to put myself in the elements for Mm -hmm. that person to come. 
Got it. That's great. And I know him and he's wonderful. <laughs> you pulled in a good one. <laughs> I just love how quickly you knew. I mean, that's pretty amazing that you trusted yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something too is, is how do women trust themselves that who they're picking is the right person for them? Oh, that's such a good mm-hmm. one. I mean, the first thing that came in my mind when you said that is with people who have been in abusive relationships or not so great, taken advantage of, not using their voice, they have to relearn to trust themselves because they, their picker has been off <laughs> and they have, um, then they start to doubt themselves instead of really trusting their intuition and getting that back, I think is a process for people. Farrell Hendricks talks about Imago and that the Imago is the image of the person that will make me whole again. And so we all go out consciously looking for the positive aspects of our caregivers, mm-hmm. but more indelibly imprinted on our psyche is the negative aspects. And so we end up recreating a person who will wound us in the same way as our parents. Our Imago also holds something called the lost self. Oh, I could talk for so long about the lost self. The lost self is the parts of us that when we were little, we felt uh, safe in, in expressing and then they, we had to shut them down. And so our partner often holds things that are not comfortable for us. Uh, So, for example, if our family was very repressed with anger, our partner may be very outward in their expression of anger. And they're hitting those exact same wounds. Now, the trick is we don't know any of this until we're into it. So it takes until we make a commitment. uh, It's like love is blind. We really can't see those aspects. But the minute we're in a committed relationship, we're in a partnership, we're married, we're living with each other, man, that stuff comes out. It's so interesting. You're saying this. And I remember before I had met my partner, Paul, I was like, I really, I've been married for 17 years and um, we have three children. And then I was divorced for a few years. And I was like, I really want an intimate, deep relationship. I was very clear on that. And it was really funny because I tracked and Paul and I started dating. And a few years in, I remember going, it, we were struggling on that. And I remember meeting you and you saying to me, you said, you really have issues with intimacy, don't you? And I go, what the hell are you talking about? I do not. I remember looking at you going, I love to talk about everything. I go there and you're like, Mm-mm. and I remember walking away from that conversation. I really didn't know you. And walking away and really taking it in, you know, and thinking about it and being like, wow, like I have to be willing to go there. I can't sit there and wait for my partner to be intimate with me. Like he's my reflection. Like I pulled him in to really heal that part of myself because my family didn't go there all the time with emotions. It wasn't a comfortable place to go. They were a very fun family and full of love, but there wasn't a lot of talk about feelings and vulnerability and things of that nature. So I obviously, I was very clear that I pulled a partner in that wasn't that comfortable. And I think he's actually more comfortable with it than me now that I do the whole reflection back, right? Yes. So that, yeah. So your words really impacted me. It was a couple of years ago you said that to me Mm -hmm. and I took note. 
I'm like, I can't, I think I kind of remember the moment and the hotel and I don't even did yeah. remember the very Yeah, it, it was a very quick moment. And I thought, how do you know? You don't even know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. I, well, it's the way I can relate. We can all relate to each other. And sometimes mm-hmm. we fill space. We fill space with our stories and our joy and our talking mm-hmm. about things, but we're not really letting people in. Mm-hmm. And being with those quiet moments or the dark moments or insecurity and how do we let the people in during those moments? Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that is, that is beautiful. I remember you sharing that with me, Di, mm-hmm. uh, right after we did the leadership program with Lynn. It was a great, it was a great moment. Okay. Well, I have a quick question because this is, as we're going through this COVID-19 crisis and we're all basically can't get away from each other. And we've lived lives where each couple is going this way and that way. One's traveling, the other one, you know, our kids are going in different directions. And now all of a sudden, it's almost like we're on a big timeout. You know, the universe has said, all right, you guys time out, go to your rooms. I want you to think about what kind of human beings you're being in the world. We're going to make some changes here. But along with social media, you see a lot of these memes that are pretty funny. You know, these memes about Oh, you know, wives getting so angry at their husbands and, and, you know, and it's, and it's funny, but it's not funny. I mean, there's an underlying piece of it that's very, very truthful. So what would you say or share that comes forward for you some tips that couples who have had these separate lives all of a sudden are under one roof and they can really start a process of true communication and true connecting again? Beautiful. Uh, so I, I don't want to step over. There's a few things about what you just said. The COVID-19 crisis, I would love to recontextualize that. I would like to say the COVID-19 renewal. Because mm. this is an opportunity for renewal for all of us. It is a way of, I think, universal energy, God, the planet saying time out. The way that we're doing things is not working. Are running around like chickens with our heads cut off, are ignoring people, are thinking that we're separate needs to end. Yeah. And so I've been saying for quite a long time, that uh, my biggest passion is separation, non-separation. We all relate to each other like we're separate from each other instead of that is me. The whole planet is me. And that is a context of responsibility. And so I, I, I think I've created, I have created this because from transformational version of responsibility is viewing on the generator of everything. I've created this so that we wake up that we're not separate that what affects one affects the whole. And so this is providing a huge opportunity. I'm also not clueless that there are people, like we were saying, with domestic violence. And for anybody who is uh, listening or aware of this podcast that is in that, first, domestic violence cuts across all cultures, all economic, all race lines. And so one thing I know is that people in that situation are stronger than they can possibly ever realize. I have seen people plan and carefully plan to leave. And so uh, we also know the statistics are somebody tries to leave a violent situation that they will be killed by the seventh time that they try to leave. And so it's not something to take on in haste. 
it has to be done with planning. And that being said, there are tons of resources and anybody who is in this country illegally needs to know that they can contact authorities and their immigration status will not be questioned. And they can contact domestic violence shelters and get coaching and support to leave the situation. For the rest of us who are just pulling our hair out occasionally with our partners and getting a little frustrated, uh, definitely there are some tools. So first, separate yourself during the day. During the working hours where you would normally have your own lives, don't do much interacting with each other. Be on your own. My husband and I, my husband works from home quite often. I do as well. We do a quick check-in maybe around lunchtime, and then we see each other at dinner. We're not interacting with each other throughout the day. Start with little gestures of kindness, that we are maybe making a tea, maybe um, making somebody's favorite meal, or normally I would want to say to my husband, well, we should have salad tonight. We haven't eaten anything green today. Me letting go of little things. Like if really, if it's going to have him feel better to eat the fake meatball sub because we're <laughs> pescatarians, then we can have meatball subs. This is not the end of the world. So how do we let go of stuff instead of make it into big deals, reminding it that I'm taking one for the team. I'm taking the hit for the team. I don't need to get attached. If, if he's sticky because he's cooped up all day, hasn't been out, hasn't gotten that testosterone out, which we know about men, how do we just be patient with that? Cool it with criticism. We know with kids and with our partners, we're supposed to do five to one. Five affirmations for every one criticism. Most of us are nowhere near that ratio. So how do we consciously affirm with our kids what's working? How do we consciously affirm with our partner what's working instead of focusing on the criticism? Respect invisible boundaries. So my husband jokes that I have a tendency of, because he's my electronic and my tech guy, even though he doesn't want to be. So anytime anything is broken, acting up, I scream, Gene, or run in the other room without regard that he is in his own day. He is in his own creation as an artist, as a comic book creator. He is coloring. He is painting. He is not there for my tech things. Make an appointment check back in. The other day, I had an appointment with my husband to go through my website. And we actually sat down with each other rather than me interrupting because that doesn't feel respectful. Laugh, 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 laugh. Definitely. We are watching movies. We are watching comedians. Any way that we have laughter. We are getting out when we walk the dogs and we are going through our day with each other so we're not stepping on each other all the time. We're breathing, we're checking in. We're also not checking in about the doing this. Most couples only interact seven minutes a week. This is the study. Seven minutes a week are on something deeper than just partnership, just the arranging of who's going to make dinner, who's going to get the kids. And deeper conversation. So on our walk, seven minutes, seven minutes a week on depth. That's most couples. So on our walks, we talk about the sky. We talk about what do we think is the opportunity in the world will look like on the other side of this renewal. We talk about what we're feeling about it, any fear, any anxiety. We're talking about every everything, other people, what we're saying, what we think of experts and podcasts and meditation. So go deeper. 
mm-hmm. force each other deeper. Deeper conversations, right? Yeah. Not just the everyday things. Okay, we're going to have this for dinner. Who's picking up the kids? Who's right? Yeah, you know that 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 reminds me, Perry, of of the the heart center listening that we've both done relationship workshops from our spiritual psychology days, and there's this where you you one person holds a purple heart. And you do this every night. One person that you have a beanbag, like a purple heart, and whoever's holding it is just listening, not listening to respond, not listening to react, not listening to be right, nothing. You're just listening with an open heart. And then when you're, and, and it really allows the, your partner, whomever, your child, whoever, to really open up and speak from their heart. And then they hold the heart. And just five minutes of that a day is really, it deepens your relationship and allows each other to be heard a little bit. Yeah, that's fantastic. You reminded me in my book, The Birds and Bees of Joyful Monogamy, Nine Secrets to Hot Partnering. (laughs) There is a walking through of a communication template, which I am happy to get anybody listening. I'll have it uh, uh, something on my website that I can get people that out to them. It's called iPaver. And what we know from John Gottman, study, who studies relationships in his love lab in Seattle, we know that most marital, marital arguments will not be solved. In other words, most of the things we argue about, we're going to keep arguing about because there's something underneath it. There's a core root of it underneath it. We always argue about the same thing, like I don't feel valuable, or, I don't feel important mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Or I don't feel like my voice matters. Whatever the crux is, it's going to follow us. So our job is to hold the feelings, not solve the argument. So IPAVER is an acronym. I feel blank when you blank. I feel upset or disregarded when you leave your socks on the floor. Mm-hmm. I feel uh, hurt when you cut me off in conversation. It's specific. So it's not, I feel pissed when you're being a jerk. Because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's general. Like so that's fine. <laughs> then the person who's the receiver, they do the heavy lifting. First thing they do, this is the uh, P. They paraphrase and they clarify. So they repeat back exactly what you said using your emotional words. So I hear you're hurt when I cut you off in conversation. And then this is the hardest part. They come up with a question to clarify. Can you give me examples of other times I do that? Mm -hmm. Can you um, tell me more about how that has you feel? Mm. And it goes back and forth with the paraphrasing and asking questions to clarify until there's genuine emotional release. Mm. Then the person acknowledges they first makes adjustments, partners make adjustments to the communication. They acknowledge IPAA, acknowledge the communication saying, yes, that's exactly what I've been saying. Uh, v, validate. I understand exactly why you're so upset. I, I imagine if I was being disregarded and my opinions were being walked over, I would feel really upset. And then empathize, it's the E. I, that's the last thing in the world that I want you to feel. I love you so much and I want to hear everything that you have to say. And then a request can be made. So I request that you 
let me finish my sentence before you say what you're going to say next, whatever it is. But it's the holding, and this may take a while, but there's an emotional release and you're holding feelings. This works in every relationship. It works in boardrooms. It works with kids. Kids, it's magical. It diffuses any upset. It's great. Oh, that's so beautiful. I, I want to I just come here and say that to our, our viewers and to our listeners that if you want to get this template from Lynn, you can go to uh, Dye's my website, which is www.ownyourthrone.co, C-O, and uh, we'll have that gift available for you the day that this interview airs. So that's wonderful to have that. You know, I, we've been through so many relationship seminars and listening seminars and you know there's a lot of us that know these tools but it's hard sometimes to implement especially when we're under stress like this and because we're not dealing with I know I know for me just yesterday I think this whole COVID thing you know our our little mountain town in Sun Valley Idaho We've been under the shelter, I call it the shelter arrest for the past two weeks. Well, now they just closed down the, the county lines. So no one is able to come in to Sun Valley or out unless there is a sick person or your first responder or whatever. And then we heard in our little town that the, the death rates have gone up. There's more people getting sick per capita. And... I was listening to the news, which is a mistake, but I had to just once in a while, you know, listen to it. And I noticed for the very first time since this is happening, that fear really came in and I didn't express it. I held it in and uh, my boyfriend happens to, you know, be here with me. We made a decision to, to stay together and ride this out, not knowing it was going to be now, you know, the end of April. And it's like, whoa, okay, here, here we go, game on. And I, I noticed I was a little edgy all day. Little things were bugging me and it was all within me. And it wasn't until last night we sat down at dinner and we just checked in. We've been using our dinners to check in and have these, you know, conversations. And I said to him, I said, you know, I've got to tell you, I have a confession to make. I said, I've been very fearful today. And it just hit me. And I'm scared. And he just looked at me, you know, got up and came over and gave me a big hug. And he said, honey, you know, anytime you need to share your feelings about something, I don't expect you to be this tough woman who takes care of everything. And just because you're a life coach, you have all the answers. You know, when you're scared, tell me. When you're feeling vulnerable, tell me. And he said, I don't need to fix it, you know, but just giving me a hug and saying, I'm here. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we we forget to share all the, our vulnerabilities with one another. And you know, because we th- we're, we're moms and we don't want our children to feel scared or we don't want our partners, but we're all human. We're not perfect. And I think just what you were saying, having a template like that can, I know for me, can really help me when I get triggered. Yeah. So thank you for that. That's big. 
I, I, I really appreciate what you're saying. And that's beautiful. And he sounds very supportive. And he like is. Keeper and wow, you threw yourself in the fire. Yes. <laughs> during this time period. So I read in one way, you know, that new relationships, romance will increase during this time period because you're still in those new feelings. Yes. It's great. And it is putting yourselves in the day to day and taking off and showing each other more of yourselves anthropologically, my head is going in multiple directions, anthropologically, the masculine in us wants to fix things. And when I say the masculine, I don't just mean men, because we all know that we all have masculine and feminine within us. And uh, so the masculine sometimes wants to fix my husband and I when we're on walks. So he'll give solutions. I'm like, oh, honey, I don't need a solution, obviously. <laughs> you know, like, if I'm traveling around the world and making it in places where I can't even speak the language. I don't need, I can figure it out. But it's their way of trying to handle because it's hard to be powerless. It's all of us hard to feel helpless in the midst of this. And so three things to listen for. And sometimes it's helpful to remind our partner and tell them what listening we want. Sometimes we are listening for a solution and telling our partner, I could really use a solution on this. I can really use your input on this solution. Empathy is the next one. I just want you to listen empathize with me, make my feelings okay. All of us can use that sometimes. And then sharing is the third. And masculine has a hard time sharing. So feminine is very used. Women get together, for example, and we go, oh my God, I did the exact same thing last week. And, and we naturally share. Sharing is giving examples of your own life of, oh yeah, this came up for me too. And so letting, it would really help if you share those moments with me as well, letting them know I want empathy right now, or I'd love to share what your feelings have been like today. That helps give direction for what it is that we're needing in that moment and is incredibly supportive. Yeah. And also what you said, I want to validate, it's harder for it's hard for all of us when we're in the midst of a big argument. Well, it is the way I describe it is like reaching your hand into a lion's cage. It <laughs> yes. feels, it feels yeah. like your life is being threatened. And authentically it was because in all of our childhood and all of our background, we learned our defense strategies to stay safe. And so going against that is heroic. It is mm -hmm. absolutely heroic to stay sitting in, in a room with somebody while they lose their crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they lose their shit. Yeah, that, for some of us, that feels like agonizing. Just to stay sitting in the room and not speaking is heroic. Yeah. <laughs> and That's then, my yeah. Like, you know, I can think of it. Yeah, my husband and I get into like one doozy argument a year at this point. And the last one, he was just, he, he's very supportive and generous and he internalizes and internalizes and doesn't express, but when he blows, oh, he blows. And I knew in that moment, my conscious mind knew he needed a hug. He needs me to touch him. Mm -hmm. Physical is what he needs to move him out of that insanity. Well, that's the last thing in my wildest dream that I would ever want to do in that moment. It feels like shaking version mm -hmm. of how do I go to him, put my arms around him in the midst of his screaming and throwing mm -hmm. things. And feeling safe. 
Yes. And, uh, and I did. And of course it took it down. It, it, you know, that's a repair attempt. John Gottman describes it takes it down. So it, it's healing and it moves things. And I really want to validate it's going to take someone being in their right mind. Someone has to throw the life preserver for both of you to grab onto the ring. A lot of times we have this, um, we heard this really cute couple that when, when they would get in an argument, one of them would start dancing. Whoever is of their same mind starts dancing and just to kind of lighten the mood up a little bit. And um, it really helps with all the little bickering moments, right? When you're in your house right now, we have, a, we have a word that we say to each other that's very funny and we both start laughing. But I've had, a, I, we've started this whole closeness situation a couple weeks ago and all my kids, you know, we have five grown children in the house, actually six grown children in the house and Paul and myself. And so it was really novel at first and so fun and dinners and everyone's got, my kids are working a couple of them. So they've got all their stuff during the day out and it's a lot of togetherness. And I loved it. I loved having everyone home, but then the impact of what is really going on in the world hit me like a ton of bricks. And I spent two days in tears And being an empath, I feel the collective sadness as well. And um, it makes me emotional to talk about it. Like I see that people, you know, my friend lost her father. And there's just a lot that's going on in the world, you know. And we've got this renewal and we've got this, but we've also got grief. And so it was like I gave myself permission to feel that. And I realized that at first it was just being bitchy for a day. And then I just broke. And it was really once I was able to, to share that, what I experienced in my house was the underlining aggravation everyone was feeling was sadness and fear. And when we actually were able to talk about it and Paul was very emotional and the kids all talked about it yeah. and then it was like out. And then we, and then I felt calmer, but I do, I do think that it's okay for everyone right now. And I was listening to Glenn and Doyle. It's like, we're in it too. And so if you feel like sleeping, sleep. If you feel like crying, cry. If you feel like you need a hug, ask for it. Because I do think we're in that place as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. You know? It is, um, there's a beautiful training that I train called Masters or Mastery. And uh, there are steps. I'm not spoiling the training because it takes a lifetime of practicing. Mm-hmm. But the first is experience your experience. Mm-hmm. Fully experience your experience. Don't try to push it down or squelch it. If you're sad, like we watch babies and they're beautiful at experiencing their experience. They will scream and cry or get angry and then it's gone. So first step, experience your experience. Next, communicate your experience in a way that other people get it. Mm-hmm. Vocalize it. Say it outward. I'm feeling the pain of the world. I feel like I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. I feel sadness. I feel grief. I feel afraid. Gr- speak it outwards. And next, be responsible from a transformational end, meaning not fault or blame or guilt or shame or thinking that I did something to create this, but the interpretation of I'm generating this for a reason and the world is generating this for a reason. So be responsible because that's our point of power as a human being. We don't feel victimized by what's occurring. Mm-hmm. And then what are my principles? Mm-hmm. What am I, I, I have, have what I have. That's a hard, a very hard one for people. How do I have my sadness? 
And how do I let my partner have their sadness or my kids and not try, if I'm not, ha- if I'm not sad, not get sucked into the sadness? How do I let them have their experience while I have mine and not need to change it or fix it? And then what are my principles that I live from? What are my core values? You know, my core values in terms of oneness, uh, honesty, authenticity, love. I'm presenting those then today. I'm stepping into those today. That we keep ourselves anchored in what really matters but absolutely not squelching whatever we're experiencing, letting it out and having patience because people let it out. I was just coaching uh, somebody and their their partner is fixing things that don't need to be fixed in the house. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of that going around. He's going crazy. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> how, well, Lynn, how do, you, how do you do that with your partner? How do you... Let each other have your own experiences without taking it personally or being judged or, you know, how do you do that? What is the tool to do that? For, you know, there's a, uh, in my couples retreats, I do multiple levels of retreats. And in the second level, we work exhaustively and in depth in an experiential way on something called differentiation. Differentiation is not something that most human beings do. We um, live and are born and die without doing it. Most of the time, our Hollywood gives us an idea of emotional fusion, meaning that if we're having a great relationship, we are right in sync with each other and we come home and throw the dishes off the table and make love on the table and we don't care that the china was broken on the floor. And everybody's in exact sync with each other, like synchronized swimming. And that is um, enmeshment, and it's most of the families that we were raised in. Differentiation is being your own full individual, that you're having your own independent life, and it may or may not relate to your partner's life. And at the same time, you're incredibly intimate. You're connected, you come back, and you share your lives with each other in an intimate, revealed way. So it's not needing... Sometimes um, this is the American version of this is going home for the holidays and then dying to get out of the house because the parents or the someone at the dinner had a completely different political vantage point and everybody got into arguing. And that's emotional fusion where you need everybody to think the way that you do, as opposed to it's okay if we think different things. It's okay if we don't believe the same beliefs, whatever it is, mm-hmm. having space for that is differentiation, that I can have intimacy and connection with you and not need to be on board with your belief system, whatever it may be. And uh, this is splitting our nation in oh, a part, yes. as we know, you know, in the last years now of uh, political differences. And yeah. 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 We're having to learn to get along with each other. I mean, for all of us to survive, it is a global crisis and it's also global healing opportunity. Like you said, you know, in a strange way, I said to my kids um, the other day, I said, this really is a bit of a gift. And they looked at me like, okay, mom, you're really weird. And I said, but it is a gift because I know I'm spending more time, I'm spending more quality time with my kids. They're both teenagers and they're ski racers and they're gone all the time. And I, you know, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm having to think more creative ways to be with them 
How yeah. can I spend time with them? Um, I know my boyfriend mentioned, you know, why don't we do some board games? I'm like, I've never played a board game in my life. Okay. Well, this is an opportunity for me to learn how to play board games. And, you know, at first I had some resistance. I was like, I don't want to play dominoes. I really don't care about playing, you know, whatever. But I thought, no, just, you know, it's, we're changing, we're evolving and being open to doing things differently and not, you know, again, judging that. So I think there is a lot of gift to this. And if we, if we stop fighting it and fearing it, then maybe we can just enable it to let us, let it shift us, you know? And the board games are great. There's also um, conversation decks you can get with kids are great. Uh, We used to do when my kids were younger and even teenagers, there's something called the Ungame that you can buy online. And there's also adult conversation decks where we would pull a card at dinner and then we would ask like, um, gosh, I still remember with one of my kids, uh, he was about at that point, 13 and we pulled the card and it talked about what you think you're really good at what are your talents and what do you think you're not and each of us went around the table and answered it and he just burst into tears and it was shocking to us but he revealed he had an idea that each one of because there are four parents my husband's ex-wife her husband and us and he thought each of us had a different expectation of him and he was failing all of them. Oh. But I thought, you know, at the end of that, wow, we didn't even know that. This kid is pretty internal. And had we not been playing the game of just having a chance to vocalize, that wouldn't have come out. So finding ways to get it deeper. Great one for, for adults. Gosh, an Adlerian psychologist some years back came up with an app, questions, 36 questions. And you can download the app. And uh, now there's a bunch of spinoffs with it, but you should find the original one. It's free. And he found that if strangers sat with each other and asked these 36 questions of each other, that they would fall in love. And the very high percentages of people were actually falling in love, strangers, because it really is just taking things deeper. Mm. And uh, this is anybody who's done training work like you have. It's taking it deeper. And my husband and I did those questions over a week's vacation up at Whistler. And that was just, and we, and we would take sometimes two questions a night at dinner. And those two questions jumped us into deep, deep other conversations. Hmm. That's that reminds me a little bit of the Gottman book, Eight Dates. That's yeah. the newer book that's out. So Paul and I did that book, Eight Dates. We had a little... We had, we had a timeout from each other for a couple months and um, we decided to do this, you know, eight dates and it completely brought us back together. And I share it with everybody. I'm like, everyone should do this because you have conversations about things that are so, you think you would know these things about each other, but you never talk about them. Yeah. No, and I, I, you know, I challenge people who've been together for 30 years to discover something new today about your partner, something you've never known. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, this book has exercises at the end of every chapter that are extensive. It's not a quick read. It is a, like, well, up your sleeves and dive in. (laughs) It's a workbook, it sounds like. Well, I also want everyone to know, I mean, Linda's weekend workshop that I want to for sure go to and you take couples and you do immersives they're like four stages right you have one two three four 
and an immersive, which I think is the best way to do couples counseling is really when you can dive in and have the whole experience for a few days. Yes. Um, So share a little bit about that. Uh, the first level, our next one is in June, and it's in Lake Arrowhead Resort and Spa, mm-hmm. uh, which is a four-star beautiful resort. I love that it's getting people away from their lives so they can get out of their kid routine, the phones, their business. And the first level is really working on communication. What is the core wound that you have and your partner has? And how do you, how do you heal it? How do you heal it for your partner? How do they heal it for you? So you're not re-wounding each other over and over and over again. And then real intimacy, real depth, knowing, real depth in a um, Saturday night's homework. We we laugh that if people can make it through couples one, <laughs> they, uh, they definitely can get to, because it, it's really hard. It's very hard homework on Saturday night. And I've had many couples drive down the mountain and drive back up or one of them drive back down the mountain because they were so confronted. But on the other side is real freedom. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a real intimacy and complete authenticity and openness and trust. And then couples too is all about passion. How do we have our own lives? We're passionately connecting with each other. We do some tantric sex uh, so that we're being with each other and we're all the way open. We're not just in the act of making love or having sex, but we're really with each other in the process. And uh, it's beautiful. For a lot of people, it's the favorite training they've ever been to. It is. It, it ends with a beautiful commitment and awakening mm. And then the third is a practice, three months in somebody's life that they're working on weekly stretches that are outside of their box and uncomfortable and juicy. And my husband and I do this. And then anybody who's been through one and two is eligible to go on the couples customized. And my next one is in Iceland next January. Wow. Watch the northern lights from hot tubs. And and be out in beauty Mm. in Iceland. Carrie, let's all go. Doesn't I would love. (laughs) You know, we were supposed. My boyfriend is supposed to be in Norway, um, like this month, going on a on a. He's actually skiing. Was going to ski the North Pole. Of course, that was all changed. So maybe this is a better one to do. (laughs) After after he does it next April, we'll just hang out there for a month. Now, what what was the date of that retreat again? retreat again it was June one the one at the start of June I'm moving my pillow to look at my calendar here June five six seven is the couples retreat the first level and I'm open because this year is changing you know usually I do couples two only once a year and I do it in Valentine's right around Valentine's in February but I'm open before we get to Iceland to doing a couples two just because, uh, as I said, that, that's right now we need to support people in their relationships. Yeah. I'm doing a, a, a one day on the 5th of April that yes. is $7. It's crazy reasonable. And this is a virtual one. This is a virtual one because we're all at home. I know. We, we <laughs> might as well, you know. To, now, is this on Zoom? And you can also go to your website, which is, what is your website? Yes. You can find information about this on inspirecoachingworkshops.com. Inspire Coaching Workshops, 
www.breathwork.com. And you can find information about that as well as a free breathwork session I'm doing on April 2nd. Breathwork is profoundly centering. It is physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually healing. It's uh, sometimes dancing with the cosmos. Absolutely Mm. beautiful. So giving people that centering right now, I really wanted to find a way to give people something to raise our vibrational energy as a planet and heal. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, you get all these, we'll put all that information on our website as well. So people know, you know, where, where to go and also where to buy your book. Um, Is your book available on Amazon or is it on? Okay. Kindle or paperback and on uh, Goodreads. If you're on Goodreads, I'm doing a hundred giving away because I'm abundant. So I'm giving away a (laughs) hundred and people can enter if they want to get a free book. I love that, Lynn. I wanted to go back to the part where you were talking about, you know, when we're in the house together right now during this time. And I love what you said of like having a routine, like your husband's going into his space and doing his work. And then you guys can like connect at lunch real quick if that's a possibility, but then you don't really reconnect until dinner. So you're having your own space. And what I thought was really beautiful, and, and I had heard this, I think from Allison Armstrong a while back, it's like, Anytime a man is doing their thing, their way, the way their brains work, interrupting is not the way to go, no matter when it is, because their brain needs a transition period. And it's a, I don't, I don't, you can explain that more, but there's something really profound about that of just instead of barging in going, Hey, I need you to do this or da, 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 da. It's almost like giving them that minute or respecting that, that boundary, like what you were saying. Yes, that's so great. I'm glad you brought it up. So men, fascinating. Men, if we think about anthropologically, they were hunting, they were out, and they needed to keep very alert. Mm -hmm. And so when they were out, they would be out on the hunt. And if there was a noise, they'd need to be alert and ready to fight the noise. Mm -hmm. And so they get an elevated amygdala during that time period. So right now, if we had an earthquake and we felt that tremble, if we took our pulse, men would stay elevated longer than women because they needed to stay elevated for that fear response to be prepared to battle. Women, on the other hand, to perpetuate the species, women can't breastfeed if their stress levels are too high. So women got really good as we were gathering in being collaborative with each other. We got very good in de-escalating things. Mm-hmm. So women, you'll notice if there is an earthquake and there are men and women, women will immediately say remarks like, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll figure, we'll figure out the exit in a moment. I'm sure it won't last that long. Brace yourself. We're automatically doing calming responses. And all of this plays in. Now, what what we've done with that is not so great. That women under a high amount of stress, we weren't designed to be under stress consistently because our amygdala never shuts off. Mm. This is crazy. So I know you both know this. When we watch a movie and you're watching it, if you're watching it with a man, your husband or your partner, they can zone and they can just lose themselves in the movie. Whereas women have a tendency on every commercial break to go, I got to check that. I need to do the, I need to put the laundry in the dryer Uh, because our 
mind is constantly going. The amygdala is that stress. So when women went into the work world, we were not prepared because our amygdala is never shutting down. And so we have a harder time taking it down, whereas men, and this is the part what you're talking about, Diane, men have testosterone that they need to get out. And so when they have a half hour to sit and just we say, what are you, you're watching Sports Center or you're doing nothing, and they're sitting for a half hour, during that half hour, they're rebuilding their testosterone. And it's critical for them that we don't interrupt that half hour of them watching Sports Center or the movie that they rebuild. And then it's critical for men, and this is a big thing right now, if they don't get out that testosterone, it turns into estrogen and they get moody and they have side moodiness that comes out. So they need to be doing something physical to get out the testosterone. What, no, but it doesn't matter what it is. They can dance with headphones in the other room, take the dogs for a walk, but they need to be getting out the physical. Otherwise, it's going to come out in that meetiness. And what you're saying, Diane, yeah, give space. So sometimes when we're hearing, ready to... Ver- what I'm hearing is lots and lots of sex. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my husband would say. Yes. Say, I listened to the whole podcast and what yes, I heard is... What I heard. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should all need to invest in the stock market with baby products in January because we know that's happening. You know, it's interesting you said that you brought that up because I noticed um, today that my boyfriend wanted, I mean, he's, he's always working out. It's like a two hour workout every day, every morning, training for this big trip. And now it's a big letdown. He can't do it. And, you know, we walk every single day, but I have a Peloton bike in my house. Thank you, God, I got that (laughs) because I noticed he was on it this morning for like an hour and just needed it. And I was getting ready to leave and I thought, should I go down and say goodbye? Should I not? And I waited until I could hear he was done because I didn't want to interrupt because I knew it was really, really important for him to have that outlet because just walking the dog was not enough exercise. And such a difference in attitude and in, in voice, everything. And he also made a comment yesterday on Sunday. He says, you know, I really am a sports guy. On the weekends, I love watching games. I love watching. And he goes, it's really weird not being able to do that. And I thought, that's really interesting. I never would have thought about that. But yeah. that's another part of the testosterone that you were talking about. And that's gone now for men. So I guess what you're saying is we as women need to realize a lot of things that have been taken away for men. We need to allow them some allowances to, you know, yeah, to find it their ways. <laughs> this is God's mean joke. It's like we're going to quarantine all the men and all sports are off. I mean, oh. horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> I just read an article this morning saying Top Chef is the best translation for men to oh. sports and that they should turn on Top Chef because it's actually really competitive. It's got a time yeah. frame to it. Uh, and so that's actually a good transition for men right mm-hmm. now. But yeah, we are taking away a lot of their coping strategies. So how do we do that? Also getting everybody getting creative with their dates with each other. We need to have dates, even if we're at yes. home. Yes. We had a spa day the other day. My husband, I I've got him into spas when we first got married. Uh, he thinks it's insane that there are guys that don't know about spa. <laughs> 
He loves spa now. Uh, but we uh, we painted each other with Aztec clay. We pulled it off. We took a bath, a detox bath. We had masks on. We did our version of spa day just to get creative, mix things up, do it in a different way. I love that idea. When when my boyfriend and I were apart from each other, he lives in San Francisco and I live here, we would have virtual dinner dates. (laughs) And we were saying the other day, thank God we don't have to have them virtual anymore. But one night, because, you know, half the time you're walking around your pajamas or your, you know, your gym clothes all day. and, And we got dressed up one night and I mean, really dressed up. You wore a suit. I wore, you know, pretty dress and we made this meal together and sat down and it was amazing and how things can just shift. So I think you're right. Sometimes, you know, I've heard somebody, my girlfriend say, okay, (laughs) it's eight o'clock at night. Now I'm changing into my second pair of pajamas, you know, instead of... (laughs) Yeah, there's also most a lot of relationship people are saying right now, dress at least once a week, dress. Mm -hmm. And those of us that are on Zoom calls, at least, you know, I get to put on clothing and makeup at least at least two or three or four days a week because I'm on Zoom Mm -hmm. uh, or doing conferences or guest speaking. Mm -hmm. Do that for a partner not just for everybody, find, you know, get out of the sweatpants. I know my, you know, sweat clothes are very enrolling, but. <laughs> I love them. You know, I was hearing too, the other thing that I wanted to go back really quick and just, and just reiterate and that really landed for me is that I keep hearing the word grace, like everyone you're talking and the word grace keeps coming forward. And it's really about during this time, just give everyone that. And when you're in a home with people, the things that normally bug the shit out of you, for lack of better word, you know, like just put yourself in their shoes, have some, have some empathy, understand. We don't know what everyone's feeling inside. Everyone's having different levels of emotional stuff and to just give everyone a little grace and to just take a deep breath and don't nitpick. And I love where you said, don't criticize. And and just walk away if you feel inert, you know that you want to say something. Don't. We have control of that much. We do have control over. Yeah, I think there's something really powerful in that. Diane, you use a beautiful word, and I'm not going to give this one, but I'm going to encourage everybody who's listening, watching, uh, go to an etymological dictionary. Type in etymological. <laughs> Wait, how do you spell that, please? <laughs> E-T-Y-M-O-L-O-G-I-C-A-L, something like that. It is the root of words and where they come from. And I'm giving everybody, if you want to give yourself an absolute joy and privilege, look up the word grace, Mm. because grace is one of my favorite words. And from an etymological perspective, if you read it, it is absolutely just heart goes right to the heart. Mm. And yes, that's a beautiful word to describe. How do we act with grace? How do we act with patience and love and see the magnificence in every human being that we are in any moment doing, everybody's doing the best they can. I constantly am reminding myself of this. If we knew how to do better, we would do better. We do the best we can given what we know in that moment Mm. until we know something else. And then we can't beat ourselves up for not knowing it earlier. Mm We got it at the exact right moment, and now we can apply it. It's so beautiful. I love I love that word, Di, that you brought that up. And it's it seems like it's the overall lesson 
And the blessing is because, you know, in the past, and I think back in the past year with all the political discord and all that, we haven't been giving each other grace. We have been isolating. We have been judging. And, and it seems like maybe that's one of the biggest lessons that we get out of this whole ordeal that we're going through is to learn to have grace for one another. Yeah. And how do I see myself in the other? Mm. How do I see me in them? Instead of uh, looking for differences or ways that we don't think alike, what can I take from this? Uh, what, even if it is political, how do I take aspects of everything? What is the core of that thinking? So the core of that thinking, if we say Republican is um, strength, is protecting, is uh, courage, is honor. These are core values. And then if I'm looking Democrat, freedom, individuality, uh, expression, well, these are all valuable things. So I don't have to disagree or get entrenched. I can see why that matters to you and why that is important and be curious about it instead of getting attached and making it wrong. Yeah. So what what was the meaning... Help me if I remember this uh, with the word intimacy. It's into me. A I C. Into me, you see. Into me, you see. Yes, it was. You know, just I, I loved that. I love that expression, and it's it's pretty powerful. Back of intimacy comes from Latin. That is profoundly within, mm-hmm. within ist, meaning the deepest part that we can show. We're showing. If it's fear, we're showing it. Insecurity, self-doubt, all of it. It's so beautiful. Oh, my gosh, Lynn. Thank you so much for these amazing tips and such wisdom. I mean, I'm excited. I can't wait to start implementing them in I my know. household. <laughs> I know. I know. I knew Lynn was a wealth of knowledge, but I haven't had a relationship conversation with you. So this has been just such a treat for both of us. And I know our listeners are going to love it on so many levels. So honored. Yeah. So incredible honored and definitely would love to hear from your listeners you what you're creating any sticky points anywhere I could be of assistance definitely don't hesitate to contact me lynnesheridan.com or inspirecoachingworkshops.com I think that's wonderful and we'll put that up on our website too well thank you for joining us and it's been such a treat and speaking to our listeners remember we're going to post all these fabulous freebies that Lynn is offering U.S. subscribers to Own Your Throne. And our website, again, is www.ownyourthrone.co, C-O. We did not forget the M. Someone said that to me. What <laughs> that think, okay. um, yeah, that's co. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thank you for reaching people and the difference that you're making for people now and their growth moving forward. I appreciate your commitment, your stand. Mm, thank you. Thank well, you for man. now, you guys, we are saying goodbye, but we will be seeing you soon in a week. And we'll have another special guest, which we're going to keep secret. But we're continuing <laughs> this whole series that um, Di and I decided to pivot our show a little bit and really go into some topics and give you guys access to some specialists and some people that really could help us go through this COVID-19 and, and view this as in a different way, in a more positive way. What can we learn from each other and how we can help each other? So thank you for listening. 
And next time we'll see you on Own Your Throne. This podcast was created by Perry and I because we both met at school getting our master's in spiritual psychology, where we learned the tools and techniques to really heal, reclaim, and redefine the second chapters of our lives. And you'll also learn some tools and techniques from our guest. All you have to do is go and subscribe and leave some comments. Let us know what you think about the shows, as well as maybe you have some ideas of other guests that we could have. So enjoy the conversations, and we look forward to hearing from you. And be sure and check out our website, which is ownyourthrone.co. And we have some freebies for you, so be sure and check us out.